0: This is the last of the All Things New series. And uh, we'll be transitioning into uh, a couple of different messages and then kicking off on September 15th at a thing we're just calling Back to Church Sunday. September 15th, we'll kick off the series that I'm doing called Heaven and Hell. Lots of different questions about what happens or what's happening even now in the heavenlies and what will happen later as the bible talks about these things but today is kind of a precursor it's kind of a preview of that because we're talking about new heavens and new earth when god says i will make all things new that phrase is in that famous revelation passage where all things are being made new and the old things are passing away and don't you see that happening don't you see that happening when we hear of earthquakes, tsunamis, drought, famine, when you hear of another suicide bomber taking out nearly 100 lives at a wedding, when you hear about children being trafficked for forced labor or in the sex trade, when you hear about thousands of acres burning up in flames, when you hear and see politicians on both sides politicizing a tragedy for their own benefit, when you see in your own life, family, loss, disease, financial struggle, broken relationships, and when you just get up and you hurt all over <laughs> and you think, is there any way to get this over with? You learn, you, you yearn for something more, something else, someplace else, anywhere but here, and there's that hope that the Christian has that someday, somewhere, things will be better. And you, and you, sometimes, depending on your upbringing, it's one of those where you, you hear that song in your head. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Do you know it? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world any anymore. Won't God take us away and give us a home far away from here, in a place called heaven? Well, yes and no. Let me explain. When we think of heaven, immediately, in your mind, there's probably images flashing through. And we can thank our popular culture. We can thank art, medieval art especially, giving us pictures of clouds and blue sky and gold and and winged creatures flying around with halos and big gates with somebody standing at a little podium beside it. You know, that's in the Bible, right? Is there a place in your imagination for this planet in the hereafter, in this creation? There needs to be, because that's what the Bible talks about. It's not just new heaven, it's new earth. Everything isn't harps and clouds and endless singing. <laughs> some of you are like, I hope there's more than just singing in heaven. Because secretly, I think some Christians are like, I think it's better than hell, but it sounds boring to me, okay? And there's this secret shame, I think, that some Christians carry. I don't have an imagination for anything more, but there's got to be something better than flames, okay? So I'll go there. What does the Bible have to say about new heaven and earth? A lot. The trouble is, the information about these things are, one, scattered throughout the Bible and not in a central location where we can just look up chapter and verse about all this stuff, about what it looks like. And the parts that do talk about it are it's just full of really confusing imagery and poetry and unclear chronology. Wouldn't you like to know from point A to point B what's going to happen? The Bible doesn't give us that. Please understand, this message and the series that I'm getting into probably will cause more questions than answers. You might even get mad at me before I'm done. And uh, that's okay. Uh, Like I said before, we invite questions. Every question just invites a handful of more questions. But we will try to dig in to see what the Scripture says about these realities, these eternal realities of heaven and earth. When a seven-year-old says, I want to be a cowboy when I grow up, Well, if that kid doesn't know anything about being a cowboy, even if he does, even if he is living on a ranch at that time, he probably sees what it's like to be a cowboy. But imagine a kid in the inner city says, I want to be a cowboy and own a ranch when I grow up. You can, as an adult, sit that kid down and tell him all about what that takes. You might even take him to a ranch and show him what it takes to do all of the things that a rancher does and all the finances, and all the equipment, and all of the details, but it's, that seven-year-old's not going to get it. Try and sit anybody down that's been raised in the Amazon jungle, or the Sahara Desert, and talk to them about snow. What's it like to be, what is that word? Cold. What is that? never experienced it before. Until you put them on a plane and land them in Minneapolis in January, they'll never figure it out. I think it's the same way. When the prophets and the poets in the Bible talk about these realities, they're bending the limits of human communication and language to just even scratch the surface about what these things really are and what they look like and and when and how it's so difficult for us to try and comprehend what they're saying listen to just some of these passages in the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands they will perish but you remain they will all wear out like a garment like clothing you will change them and they will be discarded but you remain the same and your years will never end. here's another look I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. And as surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. Here's another. The heavens above will melt away and disappear like a rolled up scroll. The stars will fall from the sky like withered leaves from a grapevine or shriveled figs from a fig tree. And here's another. The wolf will live with a lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. A cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox." The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest, and they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And lastly, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. Every single one of those passages is from the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophets seeing what is to come. Not just the suffering servant and the Messiah who will redeem all of Israel, but the next reality, the heavens and the earth and what will become the renewed version of Eden that was lost. When it comes to the revelation John draws deeply from the Old Testament scriptures. He has a lot to draw from. In fact, Revelation is full of references and allusions to hundreds of Old Testament passages, but to my knowledge, not one single quote. So, all throughout Scripture, men and women of faith have longed for the day when the power of sin would be defeated where God would reign supreme and unchallenged, and over and over again the, the, the prophet, prophets and apostles looked for a day when God would punish evil men. They called for a God of justice to act decisively, to clean house, to, to rid God's good world of people who were bent on rebellion, oppression of the innocent, and violence. There's no room in the new creation for those who do not acknowledge and love and serve the Creator. So how does this transition happen? How do we go from an old, worn-out planet that groans for its own renewal, as Romans 8 says, to a new heaven and a new earth? Well, Peter gives us a little preview of this. 2 Peter chapter 3 a lot of times when I'm, re- when I'm referencing um, my notes here, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but I'll have the NIV um, in front of me. But 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 13 he says, but in keeping with his promise we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth a home of righteousness. The New Living says we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth. He has promised A world filled with God's righteousness but the process of making new heaven and earth apparently involves lots of fire and lots of shaking this we have here in this passage starting with verse 10 the day of the Lord and if you want to look at the day of the Lord you can find the day of the Lord all throughout the Old Testament prophets but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Jesus talked about this too. The heavens will pass away with a terrible roar. The very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Revelation 20, verse 11 says, I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, And what happens to the earth and the heavens? They fled from his presence. They disappeared. They were gone. And there was no place for them. And here comes a very familiar passage. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever and the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Don't, don't, don't you love that part? I mean, this is a favorite scripture to read at funerals. It's a beautiful picture of perfection and peace and restored order. There's no more chaos. There's no more curse. But there's way too much of Christianity and Christendom and teaching about, we want to know, come on, details. When? We want to know when, right? And there have been people who have given their entire careers to figuring out all the ins and outs of all the dates and all the guessing and all the political structures and they put a date together. This is when it's going to happen. So far it hasn't panned out. Everyone's been wrong. Jesus himself said, nobody knows the day or the hour, not even the Son, only the Father. So why these people try to figure out when is beyond me. They're never going to figure it out. But not only do they want to know when, they want to know where. People want to know where. Where are we going to go? Will we fly away? I mean, will Jesus descend to Jerusalem Did you notice the movement in the passage that I read? When someone moves, who moves? God moves. God moves, the holy city moves. Which direction does it go? It comes from there to here. People get mad at me when I say the Bible never says anything. It never says, we go to heaven when we die. That's our picture of being with Jesus because Jesus is in heaven and so yes, we go to to heaven. But Paul always says, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. And the Lord's coming to restore his creation. And heaven and earth will reunite God's space, human space, together again. Heaven's coming here. And then there's the who. They want to know when, they want to know where, they want to know who. Well, who is, who is the beast anyway? Who is this Antichrist person? Who is the man of lawlessness or the two witnesses? And I'm messing with you right now, aren't I? Because this is a big debate. There are lots of different camps in Christianity about all this millennialism stuff. And I'm here to tell you, none of that is important compared to the question that Peter asks, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what lives should we live? It doesn't matter if there's a pre-trib or a post-trib or a thousand years. It doesn't matter where Jesus comes and puts his feet. It doesn't. Will you be ready when it happens? That's the question. All these other things will figure themselves out. And we can study them and we can try to figure those. But the question is, will you be ready? And what kind of life should we live as a result of this warning? This is going to happen sometime, it will happen somehow, somewhere, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. He will set the heavens on fire. The elements themselves will melt away. We're looking forward to this. And Peter says, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives and lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. And isn't that a blessing? It's patience. His patience that gives us all time. Not just to get ourselves pointed toward Him, but to help others along as well. Are we ready? And when we sing that song, O Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll Sing with me. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Is it well? With you? With me? I'm pretty sure the odds are in this room that there's a lot of people who, yes, yes, I am ready. I have been waiting for this. I know the Lord's coming for me. I know I'm going to Him, and I am, I just can't wait for that day, but there. are Probably are, the odds are, there's some in here that are like, I'm not so sure yet. I'm not so sure I'm ready and wanting to speed the coming of the Lord because I'm not sure that I am ready. And to be honest, you're not actually looking forward to the coming of the Lord because you have some doubts and you have some fears. And I'm here to say, you don't have to have those. You can clear those up. We can talk together. We can pray. And you can be sure. You can be confident that on that day, you will not only see him coming, but you will be with him. And if you need to have that conversation in any way, shape, or form, we welcome that even yet today. Let's stand. We're going to sing. And if you have a need, anytime during the service or after, please come. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the good news of Jesus. Thank you for the promise that you are coming and that your patience has delayed this, and we don't understand all the whens and the hows, but we do look forward, as Peter said, to this new creation where there won't be any death, there won't be a curse, there won't be sin. But help us to be these people that Peter talks about, people of peace, people who are settled on, on who you are and who we are because of you. In Jesus' name, amen.